As we move into the fall, we are beginning our next series, Grace, Grit, and Growth. In this series, we are going to be looking at practical ways to help you enjoy Jesus. We will be doing this by looking at seven different spiritual disciplines, solitude, fellowship, prayer, serving, stewardship, evangelism, and scripture reading. If you are interested in knowing more about Jesus, Christianity, or our community of faith at Christ Church at Grove Farm, I encourage you to reach out to us on our website, ccgf.org. Our pastors and staff would love to connect with you and assist you in your walk with Christ. Here's the message from this week. Grace and peace to you. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you. Uh, This is a great day in the church. I love this in-gathering service, and it's been great to hear your voices raised together, giving glory to God. Thank you for being here this morning. If you're our guest, special welcome to you. We're always glad to have you with us in our midst, and I pray that God will minister to you in a a really powerful way. Hey, before we get into the message, I just want to mention that uh, we're really excited about the Advent season, the weeks that lead up to Christmas, and um, it's always a special time of the year. And for us, our focus is squarely on sharing the gospel. It always is, in any season. But there's a unique opportunity, isn't there, during the Christmas season, during Advent, where we can really share the gospel with people who are are desperate to hear it, who are hopefully eager to hear it as well, even if they don't realize it. So we've put together a very special project that we've entitled Goodwill. You're going to really enjoy this during the holiday season. And Goodwill is both an album, I'm going to tell you about that in a moment, and a devotional. So check this out. Watch this video here. Uh, You'll see it while I'm talking. Uh, Brad Labakin, our worship leader, along with Chris Wu from the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra, went into the studio with, with Anna and Michael and some others, and they recorded 20 Christmas carols that are going to be yours, our gift to you. It's going to be really, really special and a fun thing for us this season. Not only that, we have those Christmas carols, we also have a devotional that accompanies the, the album. And so the Christmas carols are a source of inspiration for 20 devotionals. It's a five-day-a-week devotional. You can pick one of these up here today. And there's a QR code on it that will lead you to the album and all the streaming platforms. We hope you will take this. It's our gift to you. And we hope that you will even take one for someone else that you might think of. A neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a family member. And that you will give them this gift. A gift that will lead them to the gospel during this holiday season. Isn't this great? You're going to love this. And uh, it's going to be a real cool thing this holiday season. And all of our sermons, all of our sermons during the Advent season will be on this subject. Goodwill. Pastor Ed's going to kick it off next Sunday, which will be a real treat for us also. Not only do we have goodwill during this season, peace on earth and goodwill to men, we are going to have Oh What Fun, which is an incredible outreach event. We have 900 and AK's going to tell you about it later on. 900 people signed up for Oh What Fun is an Outreach. We're looking forward to that. Light the Night, Urban Impact's annual blast off, right, for Christmas is going to be taking place here. Two nights coming up very soon, and that's going to be a powerful thing. Bring a friend to that. It's a great outreach opportunity, along with the great performances you're going to see. Our youth group is going to have events. It's going to be a very, very special time. So listen, get ready for Advent. It is an opportunity for us to share the gospel. Always keep that in mind. It's not just for us. It's for us to share. And so we're looking forward to this Advent season. I hope that you will be ready for it. One last note on that. We're going to be decorating the church. We want the the church environment to reflect all the excitement we have. And so tomorrow and on Tuesday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., we're going to be right there in the commons 
decorating. I actually have a need, very special need. If you are a person who likes to get on ladders, high ladders, or even a lift, we need some help, okay? So from 9 to 4, even if you can come for a piece of that time to show up and help on Monday and Tuesday, that would be a great thing. Here's what you just do. Just show up in the commons tomorrow at 9 a.m. Or, or Tuesday at 9 a.m., and we'll put you to work, and uh, you'll help beautify the, congregate, the, the church in, in preparation for this Advent season. All right, let's get into the message. Today is in gathering. And in gathering is a special day at Christ Church where we bring our best as an offering before a holy God. And we did this last year and the year before that. And every year when you bring forth your offering, your commitment to the Lord to give to this church, as AK said, we take that money, we take those resources, and we put it to work in the church. So this being Thanksgiving week, let's give thanks for this last year and, and how your giving helped continue the advancement of the kingdom of God through Christ Church. Let me show you some, some things that you can point to and be, and be grateful for. And by the way, this is not a brag. This is glory to God. This is a testimony of how the faithfulness of God in providing for the church has resulted in hopefully the saving of many, many lives. Listen to this. So um, through your giving, we have been able to support 16 ministry partners, including Urban Impact and Choices and et cetera. 16. Thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, we have been able to support six global missionaries through your giving. We have been able to support five local missionaries through Urban Impact during this past year through your giving. We have had a, a, a slew of events. Fall Fest. Oh, what fun. We had last year, Vacation Bible School, a bunch of youth events. Amen to Action, just a couple of weeks ago. Your money made that possible. Did you know that that cost $20,000 for us to host that event because of the food that we have there? By the way, what a great deal. 15, 20 cents per meal is all it costs. Your giving makes that possible. The devotionals that we give out at Lent and Advent, your giving makes that gift possible. We have served widows this past year. We have served the homeless. We have given to the Ukrainians in, in a season of need there, which continues today. We have, we have gifted youth with camp scholarships. We've been able to do all these things through God's grace. And then you have our staff. And, you know, I think about people like Gideon Mangus, who's our middle school director. Gideon is akin to a missionary who is reaching out to middle school students. Aren't you glad that Gideon can focus his, his attention full-time on the ministry to middle school students. Same with AK, who was up here. Same with Jeremiah. They're working together with high school students. They're like missionaries to high school students. Your giving makes it possible for them to focus on them and raise them up to know and love Jesus Christ and serve Him. David Sad with our college and career. David gives his time. He's able to minister to college students because of your giving. Listen, our staff, we are giving ourselves. We are all in for the mission of Christ. And we thank you for your giving to the church. It makes it possible. Not only that, we're able to do things that we need to do like pay insurance and do some little things around the church to make the facility and keep it up. Those are important too. Your giving makes that possible. So we say this, thank you God. Thank you God for providing for this church so faithfully during this past year. I really want to encourage you with that. That's really important. And, and listen, our goal is this. Our goal is to be a church that is known for radical generosity. When we have parish council meetings, whenever we have budgeting season, 
We budget for that. We want to be known as a church that's, that's generous. So not so we can get a pat on the back. We believe it's the right thing to do. And so that's how we're seeking to steward the resources that God has given to us. Radical generosity, that's our goal. And, and, and that's all dependent, of course, on individuals like you and families like yours being generous to the mission of Christ here at the church. If you're not generous, it all breaks down and we can't be a generous people. And, and the truth of the matter is this. The 80-20 rule applies at Christ Church. You know the 80-20 rule? That the 20% of the people do 80% of the work? Well, that's, that's true here roughly. I actually checked into it this week. I wanted to see how many giving units we have. And, and what I'm told is that roughly 20% of our people do the, 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 hard, the, the biggest share of the work here at Christ Church when it comes to giving. Now, we're grateful for that. And if you're not a part of that 20%, if you're sitting there and you're listening to me or you're watching online, worshiping with us in that way, and, and you're taking this in, and you're not a part of that 20%, you haven't been giving, or you've, you've only given a scant amount this past year, this is not meant to be a guilt trip. If you're not a part of that 20% who's doing 80% of the work, I'm really not intending to give you a guilt trip. But here's what I would want to impress on you. You're missing out. You are missing out on an opportunity to experience Jesus in a unique way and God's grace to us in a unique way whenever you fail to give. And we are going to talk about giving today. I know this is not everyone's favorite subject, but it's important. Jesus talked a lot about money. He talked about money more than he talked about sex. He talked about money more than he talked about a lot of things, actually. And so we have to talk about money because it's an issue, particularly for a people that are, generally speaking, wealthy. Wealthy in comparison to most people who have ever lived in human history. And so we're going to talk about giving today, and, and there's a real opportunity here for you. But I wonder this, why is it that we don't give? If you're, if you're not a part of the 80%, 20% rather, I wonder why we don't give. And there's probably several reasons we could list. But one is this, I think. We convince ourselves that we can't give generously. That's what we do. We convince ourselves that we can't give generously. And so what do we do? We keep the money for our own uses, our own devices. That's, that's what we all, by the way, me included, we all struggle with. We, we think somehow we can't be generous, that it's someone else who can afford to be generous. It doesn't apply to me, but that's not true. We can be generous. Let me tell you a little story um, that happened just a few weeks ago in this church. After our services, um, a woman was standing before me in the Minton Commons, and she had an envelope in it. And she handed me the envelope, and she asked me to open it. And when I opened it, there was a card and a little note written in it, and there was a $100 bill in there. Now, the woman who gave this to me is one of the people who are from the refugee community who's gotten connected to us in the past couple of years. And I knew this about this particular woman. This was a great, great gift on her part. It was a sacrificial gift. And though her English is still developing, what she was communicating to me through her note and just through the gift in itself is that God had touched her life through the gospel through the life of Christ Church, and she wanted to express her thanks. And so she did that by intentionally coming before me, a guy who's a representative of Christ Church, 
And she said, this is what I want to say. Thank you. It reminds me of the widow's might. And so whenever we think, well, I can't give. I, I don't have enough money to give. Listen, it's not true. We can all give generously. We, we're all capable of this. But you've got to first agree with that in your mind. You've got to open your heart to that kind of thing. We've been in this series called Grace, Grit, and Growth. And we're continuing to look at spiritual disciplines. This is the last week of it. And the spiritual disciplines, I've been telling you this, spiritual disciplines are a gift to us. They actually help us experience Jesus, His presence. Spiritual disciplines help us experience God's grace in a fresh way. And, and I'll tell you this, generosity is no different. That grace comes back to you when you engage. And so today, I pray you open your mind as we look at this particular subject of generosity and how we can live it out, how we can be a part of an increasing group of people, not just 20%, but 30% and 40% and 50% of the people and more who will give generously, generously and not fall into the world's thinking in terms of how we handle our money. So let's go to 1 Timothy Chapter 6, AK's already read a part of this text to you. We're going to go through some more of it. Let's take a look at it right now. We're going to begin with verse 2, actually the last part of verse 2. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up. You can always follow along, take some notes on those connect cards. Here we go. Beginning in verse 2 of 1 Timothy 6. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, a young man who was a leader in the church. And he says, listen, these are the things. I'm going to detail them to you. The things you're to teach on. The things you are to insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy and strife and malicious talk, evil suspicions and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. That phrase there is interesting, right? That, that there was a group of people that Paul was pointing out to Timothy who thought that godliness, religion, faithfulness was somehow a means, a way of getting rich, financial gain. You know, the, the background is that in Ephesus at that time, there were some uh, shysters, if you will. Some shysters who thought that there was an opportunity with a wave of Christianity that was happening in the culture. They saw that as an opportunity to get rich. And so they made little trinkets and they sold wares and they tried to take advantage financially of what God was doing. I think this is probably a perfect time for me to tell you I'm a little project I'm working on. Um, I, you know, I heard about Brad and Chris Wu and this whole album thing and I thought, I could do that. And so check this out. I am releasing my own album. It's called Pastor Craig Sings Your Christmas Hits. Go ahead and show them the picture of my album cover there. I, I want you to have a copy of this. Listen, for $19.99, this can be yours today to take home, and you can have a nice little special Christmas treat for you and your family. Doesn't that sound like a great idea, people? 
I'll see you in the comments. I'll be signing some for an additional fee out there. <laughs> Speaking of shysters, huh? That's the kind of thing that was happening in, in this day. And so Paul says, hey, be on, be on guard. There are some people out there trying to con- conflate financial gain with the wave of Christianity that's happening. He says, have nothing to do with that. You know, it's interesting. Um, there's some words here that Paul uses. He says that these people are conceited and understand nothing. That's pretty strong. And I looked up, you know, some other translations, and, and here's how it's described in other translations. There are other translations that say that these people are pompous, ignoramuses. I thought that was pretty funny. There's another translation that says they're conceited idiots. Pretty strong. And he's saying, listen, don't, don't have your mind robbed. The scripture says that their minds have been robbed. Very vivid. That the enemy has stolen away what, what's good and replaced it with something that's not good. And, and here's what the message to us is about our money. Don't be robbed. You know, as you hear me say, okay, here's a sermon on money. I know. I know that some are like, oh, why did we come today? I wish I would have known. I would have stayed home for this one. Listen, there's, there's a decision before us as we do talk about money, and, and you can either choose to reject what we're talking about, to harden your heart toward it, and say, I don't, I don't want to listen to this. I don't, want, I don't want to listen to the church telling me what to do with my money. Or we can humble ourselves and go before God and say, God, teach me. Open my heart to what you want for me. And what you have called me to be as a follower of Jesus. Don't get robbed today. And so my prayer is really simple. And I'll even pray right now. God, help us on this really difficult subject of money to open our hearts to you. To not harden our hearts. But to humble ourselves. And be willing to hear your instruction. Help us, God. Amen. The text continues. And, and Paul says this. In verse 6, he says, in light of the godliness in, as a means to financial gain, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I think it's interesting. You know, Paul doesn't go after and ridicule these guys who are trying to make money off of the wave of Christianity. No. He says, actually, he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, there are gains to be had. There, there is goodness that will come to you. But here's the thing. He's not talking about financial gain. He's talking about spiritual gain. There are spiritual gains, he says, if you will handle your money in a certain way. If you will look at your resources in a certain way, you will find that there are gains. It's like he lays down some new math. And here's the new math. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the math that Paul lays down. There are others who believe that, that religion plus you know, money equaled everything. He says, no, no, no. Jesus plus nothing. A person who's content can actually have everything. That's what he puts in front of us. It's a new equation. And, and Paul talks about this more. If you flip over to Philippians, he actually says something. These are famous words. They'll be familiar to many of you. He says in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13, he says this. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, 
For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That's what Paul says. He says, I know what it's like to be in need. And I know what it's like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's the secret. I can do all this through Christ, through Him who gives me strength. The new equation is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If I have Him, He says, I've got everything I need. That's the math. But you know, we struggle with that math. That math is hard for us. And so what we end up doing, and by the way, when I say we, I'm in this too. We end up coveting. Coveting is the problem. Coveting is the reason why generosity is such a challenge for us. Coveting is the reason why 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I think it's at the heart of it. So look here, again, go back to 1 Timothy 6. You'll see that Paul essentially lays out what you could call uh, covetousness 101. Look at what he says here. Okay, I'm back to the text. And I'm going to pick up in verse 7. It says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many, many griefs. Covetousness, 101, right here. Covetousness, 101. The first thing he tells us is that, that this kind of thinking is a trap. Did you see that? The people fall into a trap. There's an old saying that, that gold or money is like salt water. The more you drink it, the thirstier you get. And, and that's the trap of money. It's, it's like a, a, an addiction. Maybe some of you have experienced the throes of addiction. Or you know someone certainly who has. And you know this about addiction. It's never enough, right? The high you get is only quenched by the seeking of a higher high. You need more drugs to give you that feeling. You need more of whatever it is you're addicted to to get that feeling back. And what he's saying is that money acts like that. It's a trap. It's a trap. The, the love of money. Covetousness. The unquenchable desire to have more and more and more really is unquenchable. He says it's a trap. He says that it leads us into ruin and destruction. Ruin and destruction. Do you ever wonder, why is it so prevalent in a culture where people have so much? We're well fed. We have air conditioning and, and heat. And we have grocery stores full of food, and we have all the, the desires and modern technology that, that anyone could ever wish and desire to have for, but yet so many people in our country are depressed. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? Why is it that so many people are just, are just filled with anxiety? I know there are a lot of reasons, but one reason is this. One reason I believe that so many people are feeling ruin and destruction in their lives is because we've, we've thought that 
money could somehow solve our problems, and we've fallen into the trap. And that trap leads you to a pit of despair. It leads you to ruin. It leads you to destruction. He goes on and he says, he says that, that it is a root of all kinds of evil, that money is. I mean, think about that. Money as a root of all kinds of evil. Well, what are all kinds of evil? We could come up with a list. Selfishness. Pastor Mike last week was talking about serving, and he was talking about it in relation to being selfless. The more money you get, the more tempting it is to be selfish. To think only of your own needs. To want to hoard things to yourself. Knowing that, money could be the source of hatred. You ever, you ever know a family that like split down the middle, Hatfields and McCoy style, because there was a will, and the will didn't include the people in the way that they wanted to be included, and people get at each other's throats and they never talk to each other again? You ever hear that scenario? Maybe you've lived that. Money can result in hatred, this trap. It results in dishonesty. People, because they want more money, will be tempted to be dishonest in their dealings with money. That bites you. Violence comes, it sounds like a mob scene, doesn't it? I mean, the violence comes out of money. People literally get hurt over money. It ends up being something that brings about ruin and destruction. It is a root of all kinds of evil. And here's the last word on it. It pierces us with many griefs. That's what the scripture says. It pierces us with many griefs. You know what the grief is like? Worry. Some people have come in this morning and you're filled with anxiety and worry about money. You're worried about where's the next you know, job going to come from? How am I going to pay for Christmas this year? I don't know how this is all going to work. You're filled with worry, anxiety. There are others who have come in here today and, and you're just dealing with the, the, the fact that materialism doesn't pan out it's a trap and so what happens is we fall into the trap why is generosity so challenging because we as modern americans are so prone to fall into this trap but let me tell you what the scripture says what jesus says what good is it for a man or a woman to gain the whole world but to forfeit his or her soul you ever hear it said this way Ain't no Brinks truck following no hearse. Right? You're, you can't take it with you. It doesn't work that way. You have to understand. Spiritual gain is much greater than financial gain. It's hard because we can't see that, but spiritual gains are greater. And so listen, will you lay down? Will you be aware of the trap that the quenching, the, the, un, the unquenchable thirst for more and more money is. Wake up to that. Don't fall into the trap. Be content. But how can we be content? Well, Paul goes into that for us. Pick up back in the text. Look at, look at verses uh, 11 and 12 right now. How can we be content? Here's what the Scripture says. But you, man of God, he's talking to Timothy, but he's really talking to us. Flee from all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. You know, um, this, this talk of fleeing reminds me of an experience I had back in the spring. I have a pastor friend whose family owns a cabin in Montana. And he took a group of pastors to Montana, which was really cool. He arranged for us to be there. I had never been to Montana. What a beautiful place. 
And as we were getting into the trip, we went on a hike one day around a beautiful, gorgeous lake. And as we began the hike, my friend, the pastor, turns around and he says, hey, hey guys, just one thing before we get started, I almost forgot to mention, hey, you might see some bears as we, uh, as we take this hike. And it's like, bears? What you talking about, Willis, right? And he says, uh, so if you see a brown bear, a brown bear, um, run as fast as you can, just run. It's like, that doesn't sound like that's a very promising, you know, outcome. He says, run. He said, but if you happen to see a grizzly bear, if we see a grizzly bear, just get down on the ground in the fetal position and pretend like you're dead. And I'm like, I've seen that movie. No way. I'm, this is crazy. I'm like, turn around, go back to the cabin. You know, the, the truth is that so many of us have, have just gone into the fetal position, so to speak, and we're just allowing covetousness to have its way with us to tear us apart. That, that's what's happening even among Christians, people who love Jesus. That we're in the fetal position. Instead of running, like Paul says, running away from this idea, running away from the trap, we're just in the fetal position, allowing it to have its way with us. That shouldn't be. We can't live our lives in that way. And so he says, look it. He says, run. Run away from this kind of thinking. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. You gotta fight against this. Well, how do you fight? You gotta fight for contentment. Look back, verse seven, seven, eight. Look at back, back at verses seven and eight. The scripture says, "We brought nothing into the world, and we could take nothing out of it." That reminds me of Job in the Old Testament, who said, "Naked I came into the world, and naked I shall depart." Right? You, you, you brought nothing into the world. You'll take nothing out of it. He says, "If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that." This is the basic needs. Food, clothing, shelter. That's what he's getting at. And you might say, well, is that all we're allowed to have? I don't, I don't believe, and I have scriptural reason to, uh, to understand this. I don't believe that the Apostle Paul is saying that's the maximum allowed. That you're only allowed to have basic food and basic shelter and basic necessities. No, in fact, I would say this. What it's a command is, make sure that people have at least that, if not more. That's why efforts of justice are so important. There are people who are living in squalor. I've been to places in the world where people don't have shoes on their feet. Kids are, are literally running around naked. They're not clothed. That shouldn't be so. We have to be a people of justice. There, there's a basic requirement. It's not the max allowed, but it is the minimum compatible with contentment. Food, clothing, shelter. And what he is saying to us is we've got to fight for contentment. We can't just allow ourselves to roll up into the fetal position and let, and let covetousness have its way with us. No, we have to take hold. We have to take hold of the promises of God. Look at verse um, 12, the second half. It says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses in the sight of God who gives life to everything of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in His own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To Him be honor and might forever. Amen. Paul starts preaching here. He starts worshiping God. And here's what he says. He says, listen, here's how you fight. 
Here's how you run. you got to know the truth of God's Word. This is a theological thing. Look, the way you fight, the way you fight against covetousness, the way that you, you avoid the trap is first get your mind right. You know what Romans 12.2 says? Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't fall into the trap of this world. But what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got to think differently about your money. You got to think differently about, about what, what we, the world tells us in terms of money. And, and, God, and, and here's what Paul says. He says, listen, understand that you serve the king who is immortal, who is holy. You belong to him. That's how you get your mind right. You recognize that you are a child of the king, the king of kings. Everything belongs to him. That's who you are. And because you belong to him, you can be free of the trap of coveting. You know, the thing I would say to you is this. The Bible is the story of God's generosity. The king is generous. The Bible is the story of how generous God's been to us. Look at Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32. It's on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? The Bible is the story of how God has been generous to us. You know how generous he's been? He gave us his son. He put his son on a cross. His blood was poured out. His body was broken. That's how generous God is because he knew that we had a need. That we were sinful and we could never get out of the trap. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus saves us from the trap. Jesus rescues us from, from looking outwardly to fill an inward need. And he says, look, I can give you contentment. And that contentment comes from my son. You belong to the king. We are kids of the king. And he will give us everything. He's given us his son, and he'll give us everything we need. And so therefore, we can fight. We can run away from covetousness. And we can find contentment for our souls. Man, it is powerful. Let's keep going, okay? So... Picking up in verse 17, we're getting towards the end of this passage. It says, command those. This is, this is important. Command. Command those who are rich in this present world. Hello, American Christians. Not to be arrogant. Not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Isn't that true? Think about the past year and inflation and the market and, and skyrocketing of, you know, uh, of, of the interest rates and all this stuff. So uncertain. It changes just like that. Don't put your hope in wealth, but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. You might think, well, hey, does this mean I need to divest myself of everything I own? Is this a call to asceticism? Am I called to, to not have a house and, and to, to, to live in a really common place? That's not what the Bible says. In fact, it says everything's been given to us for our enjoyment. You can enjoy that steak dinner with clear conscience. You can worship God and say, God, thank you for this good gift. You can enjoy that vacation and say, God, thank you for this vacation. 
But here's what you can't do. Here's the warning. You can't put your hope in these things. He warns us against false pride. That's what money does. It puffs us up. And it makes us think like we have all the answers. That we know it all. And Paul says, not so fast. Don't allow your wealth. Don't allow your riches to puff you up with pride. No, is that he says this. He says, don't, don't get a sense of false security. Don't think because you have money saved up in the bank. Don't think because you have an insurance policy. Don't think because you've got an inheritance that you're good. You're not. Because it could all be taken away just like that. You won't keep it. Do you see this? Instead, he says, he says, here's what you should do. Those who are rich should find another way of being rich. A better way of being rich. He redefines what it means to be wealthy. And you know what the way is? Here it is. To do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. That's the answer. The answer is, for those who have wealth, yeah, don't, don't, don't go sell your house and give it away unless God tells you to. But here's what he says. He says, be rich in good deeds. There's a new way. Be generous. Be incredibly generous. Let me give you three quick ways that you can practically do this. We've been trying to give you practical means. We've, we've given you the Life Folk Focus New Testament. We've given you the prayer app. We've shown you ways that you can be generous and, and how you can pray and how you can do Scripture. Now look at some generosity principles. Here's the first thing, and it has to start here. The very first practical measure, and this is very practical, is give yourself to God. Listen, if you try to muscle up generosity, you only get so far. You have to first give yourself to God, the one who is generous himself. If you give yourself to God first, that's the beginning of being a person who is free from the trap of covetousness and knows contentment. You first have to give yourself to God. That's the first step, to give yourself to Him first. Paul knew this. Look at Philippians again. Just go back there with me. In Philippians, the Scripture says this. Can I find it? My goodness. Here it is. Okay. In Philippians, the passage says, in 3.8, Paul says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Man, that is powerful. Paul found out that everything else in life didn't have any value when compared to the overwhelming riches of knowing Christ. Paul knew Jesus. And because he knew Jesus, he was free from coveting things of this world, of this life. See, it begins with you first giving yourself to God. I'll tell you this. If, if you find this challenging, and I'd say this to you in love, if you find generosity really challenging and you struggle with this, it could be a sign that ultimately you don't know Jesus. It could be that, that maybe you, you haven't really come to a place where you are satisfied in God. If generosity is so hard for us, I think we should examine ourselves before the Lord and say, God, help me. Am I really satisfied with you first? Paul was satisfied in Christ Jesus. And so everything else was like trash to him. Didn't matter. Because he saw how great God is. It begins with this, giving yourself first to the Lord. 
Don't try to muscle up generosity. Begin by giving yourself over. You can do that right now. You can do that in this service of worship today. You can say, God, I'm yours. I give my life over. I want you, Jesus, more than anything else. There's nothing else that compares to you. I want you. After all, he's generously given himself to you already. Why not give yourself back to him? It begins with that. Secondly, after we give ourselves to God, we have to understand, and this is important, that it doesn't belong to us. And when I say it, I'm talking about money. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. Recently, I took my oldest daughter uh, for a little day trip. We went to the Carnegie Museum of Art. And some of you are like, I thought Craig was just a meathead. No, I like art too. I appreciate art. And so we enjoyed going through the museum and we saw you know, the famous paintings there and sculptures. Really enjoyed it. Now, say at the end of that experience, I went up to a wall and I took one of the paintings, put it under my arm, went over to another painting, put it under my arm, and I walk out with paintings under my arm and say, hey guys, thanks so much, we enjoyed it. Of course, you would see me on KDKA News. They would arrest me and, and think that I was crazy because I thought that I could take the art away because I enjoyed it so much. Some of us think about money in that way. There, there's, a great, there's a great room of life where everything belongs to God, including your money, and we take it away and put it in our pockets and act like it's ours, just to waltz out with. That's not the way this works. Yeah, I know you've worked hard. I know you've been smart with your investments, but it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. Everything belongs to God. And so when you give yourself to God, you also have to be aware that it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God, and it's for His use. And then the, the most practical part is this. The third piece is this. Be ready and be available. Plan to be generous. Be proactive about this. You ever hear about the person who, you know, buys McDonald's gift cards? Maybe they work downtown, and, and they see homeless, and, and they give them those McDonald's gift cards. You ever heard about that? Give them the, the treat of some really unhealthy fast food. <laughs> you know, they do that kind of thing. That's, that's a cool idea. You, you can think of, you don't have to work downtown to, to put this principle into practice. What if you were to set aside money from your budget, a good chunk of money, and say, you know, anytime I hear that there's a family whose kids are participating in sports or music or some kind of extracurricular activity or send their kids to camp, I'm going to listen for that. And when I hear that need, I'm going to write a check. And, and I'm going to say, hey, my wife and I, we, we heard that your family's involved in, in sports. We just wanted to help out with that. We remember when our kids were in sports, and so here you go. Here's a check. We're going to be generous. Do that for your neighbors. Do that for your coworkers. Do that for people in your circle of influence. Be ready and available. Plan. Plan to be proactively generous. Not just your excess money, but like put that first. You're going to have a chance to do that today with our in-gathering time here. Here's, here's what I want to wrap up with, verse 19. Verse 19 says this, and I'm going to read it and make it personal for us. I'm going to, I'm going to personalize this. In this way, you will lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. I, I really believe that that verse 19 is the key. 
I believe it's the key to it all. That's what I think. And, and you want to experience life to its fullest. You want to have experiences that are memorable, that they're just, you know, the, the kind of things that you cherish. It's not going to come through money. The most powerful experiences, the, the best way to experience, the only way really to experience life in its fullest here and now is through Jesus Christ. And it's by actually giving your life away. It's about finding contentment in Him and Him alone. You can have contentment in this life. You can experience real life in this life and the life to come. Be generous. Let the money flow freely. Take it and put it to use in God's kingdom. Be content in Christ and be generous. I'll tell you one more little little story about in-gathering and the way that that our resources of the collective have been used to bless other people and to be generous. This is a Thanksgiving story. There's a woman in our church. Her name is Nancy Manna. Manna, isn't that an appropriate name for this particular service? Like manna from heaven, a gift from God. She really is that too. Nancy is a gift from God. If you know her, you know that she's just an awesome person. Nancy grew up in Sierra Leone in Africa. And, and she grew up in a war-torn country. I mean, for years. Her, her dad was taken from her, her family, in that war-torn environment. She herself was forced into marriage at way too young an age. It was a painful background. Well, she's made her way to America. And she lived in New York for a while. Now she's here in Pittsburgh, and she's come to Christ Church. And she's been a real blessing to us. And Nancy, um, we've had the blessing of being a part of God's generosity to her. We've helped her with some really big needs in her life, and we're thankful we could do that. She's met people in our church. She's met Jay and Karen, who, when I called her this week to ask her if I could talk about her, they were helping her at that moment when I called. They were helping her with her car. She's met people who have come along and been generous with their time and generous with their resources to help her get on her feet. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Again, this isn't a brag. It's a testimony of the power of generosity. And Nancy loves the Lord first, and she loves Christ Church because she has found that people actually live out the gospel. Thank you, Jane, Karen, for that. And she's found that the Lord has provided for her through the people of God. So listen, let's be a people who demonstrate that generosity accompanied by contentment is worth it. Is worth it. Let's avoid the trap of covetousness. Let's give ourselves to God first and then be generous because we're content. For the glory of God. Tell you what, you're going to have an opportunity in just a moment here to actually act on this today. We have this in gathering service, and this is kind of a unique Christchurch thing. If you're a part of the family here, this is for you. If you're a guest, we're so glad you're with us, and, and we're not going to put the pressure on you to come forward and give a commitment to us. We're just glad you're here. But if Christchurch is your home, then you have an opportunity to act on what 1 Timothy 6 teaches us about contentment and what it means to be truly rich, to be generous. 
we've mailed out these, these little pledge cards. And uh, if you didn't get one, they're in the pews. You can grab one. And I would ask you to thoughtfully and consider, uh, with great consideration pledge yourself to the Lord first and to His people by giving generously to the work of Christ church. You're going to have some ushers that are going to come down and they're going to free you row by row to walk over. And I, I really like this. We're going to lay these offerings on the table. Pastor Mike will be here. I'm here. And, and we're going to be standing there as you bring them. And I pray that as you do this, this will be an offering to the Lord. Saying, God, I'm content in Jesus. And I want to be generous so that your work, your kingdom come, can be advanced in this world. And so here is my peace in this. You know, Pastor Mike and I stand there, by the way. <laughs> it's not meant to be awkward. It's not like we're keeping track of who came up and who didn't. You know, we're not going to talk about it later on. Mike, did you see that Bob didn't come forward? Man, what was he thinking? Not at all. We're there to make you know, to give you the comfort that we are in this together. That we're a part of this work as a unit. And so don't, don't feel like you have to avert your eyes and look at the ground. Let's look each other in the eyes. And let's together joyously say, thank you, God, for your goodness. And we give your, ourselves to your work in this world, in this kingdom. Let's pray right now over this as we prepare to go to this time. Oh, Father, uh, we do give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for this morning together. We thank you for this opportunity to give. And God, would you help us not to fall into the trap of covetousness. Help us, Lord. It's a big trap for us. I pray, God, that, that rather we would recognize, Lord, that, that you've given us everything. You're the king, and you're holy, and you're good. And that we would recognize, Lord, that everything comes from your hand. It all belongs to you. We give ourselves to you, God. Thank you for Jesus and the generosity that you've extended to us through him. Now, God, help us to give generously out of contented hearts to your work in this world. Help us, Lord, to be good stewards of this. Help us, Lord, to be committed to glorifying the name of Jesus, the one you've been so generous with to give to us. Oh, God, we praise you and we thank you. All in Jesus' name, amen.